This is Steve Thompson. Yesterday, we pondered fasting with Becky. And in this particular case, in Nehemiah 9, they gave up food because collectively as a people, as a faith family, they had some business to do that was the exact opposite of celebrating and partying and feasting. They needed to make some things right and mourn over how all of their previous decisions and actions and those of their ancestors had dug them into the hole in which they now found themselves. And so for three hours they confessed their sins and worshipped the Lord their God. And I believe the rest of this chapter that we're now going to read is the summary of what they said and did. Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 5 through 37. And the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashbaneah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah said, Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God, who chose Abram, and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you, and you made a covenant with him to give to his descendants in the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials, and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground, but you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. By day, you led them with a pillar of cloud, and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way they were to take. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right, and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath, and gave them commands, decrees, and laws through your servant Moses. In their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven, and in their thirst you brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles that you had performed among them. They became stiff-necked, and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them. I've just got to pause right here in the middle of this scripture. 
before we're tempted to write off God as a crazy, angry, wrathful, vindictive God of the Old Testament, and the New Testament is some different God, you've got to recognize that the people who are living through the Old Testament time period, they were getting to know this God, and this is how they recognized him. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them, even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Or when they committed awful blasphemies, because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. For forty years, you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. A miracle. You gave them kingdoms and nations, allotting to them even the remotest frontiers. They took over the country of Sion, king of Heshbon, and the country of Og, king of Bashan. You made their children as numerous as the stars in the sky, and you brought them into the land that you told their parents to enter and possess. Their children went in and took possession of the land. You subdued before them the Canaanites who lived in the land. You gave the Canaanites into their hands, along with their kings and the peoples of the land, to deal with them as they pleased. They captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possession of houses filled with all kinds of good things, wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed awful blasphemies. So you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. But when they were oppressed, they cried out to you. And from heaven you heard them, and in your great compassion you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again did evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they would rule over them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven, and in your compassion you delivered them time after time. You warned them in order to turn them back to your law, but they became arrogant and disobeyed your commands. They sinned against your ordinances, of which you said, The person who obeys them will live by them. Stubbornly, they turned their backs on you, became stiff-necked, and refused to listen. For many years, you were patient with them. By your spirit, you warned them through the prophets, yet they paid no attention. So you gave them into the hands of the neighboring peoples. But in your great mercy, you did not put an end to them or abandon them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. Now therefore, our God, 
the great and mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love. Do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes. The hardship that has come on us, on our kings and leaders, on our priests and prophets, on our ancestors and all your people, from the days of the kings of Assyria until today, in all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You have acted faithfully while we acted wickedly. Our kings, our leaders, our priests, and our ancestors did not follow your law. They did not pay attention to your commands or the statutes you warned them to keep. Even while they were in your kingdom, in their kingdom, enjoying your great goodness to them in the spacious and fertile land that you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. But we, but see, we are slaves today. Slaves in the land you gave our ancestors so they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. Worship often begins with confession, with telling the story and owning up to our failures and our shortcomings. I'm going to ask you to forgive me for going here, seemingly out of left field, but this really reminds me of sex and the sexual relationship. If you've been married for any length of time, you know that it's difficult, if not impossible, to be completely intimate and open with your spouse when you're in the middle of a fight or when one of you has hurt the other or when one spouse feels completely neglected or devalued or put down. That kind of expression and vulnerability needs honesty and connectedness. And it's the same in our relationship with God. When we come to worship our God that we profess to love, and yet our actions and decisions have by and large been all about us, and we've managed to corral God into just a little corner of our lives where he's manageable, then we know that we don't have that vulnerable and honest connection with God. We've been negligent and unfaithful to our dad in heaven. We've been cold and uncaring, and we can't just turn around and expect to snuggle into him when we've erected these spiritual and emotional walls that are standing between us. So today is probably a good day for all of us to humble ourselves again. Today's a great day to set the record straight, for taking responsibility for how we've messed up, how we've been unfaithful to our promises, how we haven't lived up to our end of the deal. And we need to worship. The two go hand in hand. So here's my suggestion for today. Cue up your favorite worship song, however you do that. But when you press play in just a minute, ask God to bring back to mind all of the ways in which you've put up a wall between you and God and insisted on your own way or ignored 
his promptings or ignored when he was calling out to us, warning us. And also ask God to remind you of all the ways in which he has been faithful, slow to anger, and full of unfailing love for you. He's pursued you there. He's even protected you from maybe the extremes, the extreme consequences of our actions. Tell your story back to God. Remind him, not that he needs reminding, but remind him of the good times and the bad times. Own up to the stupid stuff. Own up to the out-and-out rebellion. And thank him for his mercy and grace and gifts and blessings, even in the midst of those times. And then, after you've exhausted all your words, replay that song and sing along. Sing at the top of your lungs. Sing and hear God welcoming your praise and your worship. So I repeat the first couple of words that we already read this morning. Stand up and praise the Lord your God, for he lives from everlasting to everlasting. May your glorious name, Lord Jesus, be praised. May it be exalted above all blessing and all praise. Amen.